Dr. Freimeyer can be very persuasive, if I could say that. I know that um, I, some of you know me very well, have maybe, I don't want to say the word accused, but have commented that I can be that way. But uh, Dr. Freimeyer is not too bad in his own right, in his ability to persuade people. And uh, he came to me back in December and said, Eric, I, I think it's time for you to share a little bit of your own, your own story, a little bit of your family story. And um, you know, when it's two to three months away, you're kind of like, all right, sure. That's, that sounds like a plan. Sounds good. I'll, I'll do that. And um, I knew this month was, was Black History Month. And, um, and then as I thought more and more, I was like, oh, boy. And I'm going to share a little bit about where I am today. And I want to share a little bit about just my own um, internalizing on that. I was like, wow. Um, I feel really inadequate to come up here and, sh and share. Um, as you probably haven't already figured out, but probably figured out, because you're all in graduate school, I'm white. And I'm thinking, really? Um, I feel like I have no voice or no authority to, to speak in that area. Um, and as I said, I feel inadequate. I was wishing that someone else was speaking today. And I was thinking back to my elementary days, what would I do when I felt like this? I would get sick and tell mom I'm sick. And I won't go to school and face that test or face whatever. But I realized I can't do that anymore. Um, I need to stand up and, and share and speak. And so I come here with those feelings and those inner things going on inside me as I speak. And if you sense a little bit of inner turmoil or inner kind of angst, this is really the first time that I've spoken publicly um, about a little bit about my own journey and the, my family's journey. Um, so you're kind of getting a fresh taste of this. Probably there will be other times when I will share this. And my wife could even speak to it, and maybe in some ways even better than I might possibly be able to speak to this. But this is kind of my first opportunity to do that. Um, to also say this, yes, I am a father of three black children, Adabay, Jerusalem, and Jacob. They are all from Ethiopia originally, um, but now they are US citizens. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. And so I come today um, acknowledging that. And I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of, of them as children. And I want to say that right at the front. Um, and so I, I come to that, and we're going to get into this. But I wanted to share the story of the journey of adoption and what that means for me. Um, I need to acknowledge today that I came to it at first. No matter the color, color of the child that I was adopting, I came to it kicking and screaming. My wife would say that. So if she sees this video, I have to say that. I had no problem getting married. Getting married to an adult did not bother me because I knew I could rationally have conversations when we would have arguments. But I was trained as a youth pastor. And so whenever Charlene and I would talk about having a family, I need to tell you up front, it scared the living daylights out of me. Because I had teenagers that I was working with and I knew what I was going to face between that 13 to 17 year stage when they forget about their parents. And they go off this area where all of a sudden their parents are gone. Then about 17, when they're going to leave home, all of a sudden they arrive back in the home and say, okay, mom and dad, you're not so bad after all. And I didn't know what I was going to do with those four years, and that scared me. And I knew what it, what it felt like to be a child and a teenager in my own home, and I had a great life. And so being a parent scared me. I was so scared to go into that. And when Charlene, that would be a part of her story, when we found out we were, we were unable to have children, we then decided to, to adopt and went through that process. Um, I was so scared walking, walking in to become a father. I had a fear of being a, being a dad. 
I had a real fear. I'll say today it's, it's unfounded in some ways. It's probably one of the greatest things that I've been able to be a part of becoming a father. But I will admit today that on the front end, I was really scared. And I still have fears. I still have all those things. They haven't tapped down. Um, but as we sang today, God will meet us and God is with us. And I'm not trying to be flippant, but we'll get into that. Um, today, the focus verse that we're going to focus on is that Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. And I'm going to kind of walk through thoughts. I'm not going to do kind of a real deep dive down in. So those who are in Greek, I'm blowing it all apart right now. So I apologize <laughs> to you. As I shared, this is about a journey. But I think we have a little bit that we can go with. And it seems to me, I think the scripture can work with my story and with what I'm sharing today. But that Galatians chapter 4, 5, and I'm going to read the NRSV that was just read a few minutes ago. I love it. But when the fullest of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. Ultimately, he wanted us all, each and every one of us, to be adopted as sons and daughters. Thus, we have been, thus we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. I love that. I love that. And today I want to ask you, do you recognize that we now have the full rights through Jesus Christ? Do you really recognize that and do you live that out in your life? We have all been adopted by God, the Most High God. We say it so much that I wonder sometimes if we've really let it go deep down in our soul. We say it, we speak it, we sing it. But do we own it? Do we realize that we have been adopted by God? Or are we just going through the motions? There's issues of struggle that occur in adoption. There's a lot of them. There's three of them that I thought of in my own family that we've encountered that I want to share with you today that I think also can relate to our own personal relationships with Jesus Christ and understanding that we've been adopted by the Most High God. One of the ones that I think about is just the big question that we ask that I know my children have asked, and it, and it hurts. And I might get emotional in some of this because, it's, as I said, this is the first time I share I'm not always an emotional person. Um, I'm passionate, but they don't often see the emotional side of, of me but it's deep to me. It's the question of why. Why, first thing is, why in the world would God do this, redeem us? But also, the children would ask me and ask Charlene, why in the world would you adopt us? Why would you do that? Even at their ages of 11 and 8 and 7, they look at us and they'll say, why would you adopt us? Why would you do that? And I think in our own lives, we ask the same question of God. Why in the world would you adopt me? Why? I hear that Jesus came for people here, here, and here, but, but me. Why? Why? It's an issue of struggle. It's an issue of angst. You know, we face that question when we got on our plane in Addis to come back to Europe to then catch our flight to come back to the United States. 
and I wasn't prepared to face it. I had a three-and-a-half-year-old with me that couldn't speak the language, and I'm grateful she couldn't understand what people asked us. But I had a flight attendant on a, on a European airline look at us and say, why, would, and why in the world would you adopt an African child? I was shocked that a person would ask me that. I was like, seriously? You're going to ask us that? Straight up, I didn't have an answer at that moment. I was stunned that they would ask me that. That why question can really cause significant pain in relationships. And it's a searching question in the adoption process. I can tell you this today, that we didn't adopt our children because we felt sorry for them, or that we were feeling some need in our lives. We did it because we love Jesus Christ and we wanted to share that love with others. That's why we did it, okay? And I want you to hear this, that some people think that people adopt because they feel sorry or that they have some other need. For us, that was not our journey. And I want to declare that today, and we tell our children that. You're not better than us, and we're not better than you. And we didn't do it because we think we're better than the parents, your birth parents. Unfortunately, there were significant economic situations, and we've been privileged and we feel we, in our own privilege in some way, can step in at this moment and follow you along in this journey. But we didn't do it because we felt sorry. Trust me, if we did it because we felt sorry, we're going to be in big trouble. Because I said we're heading to those 13 to 17-year frame. Not looking forward to it. As I said, I have an 11-year-old lover to death, but she's headed into preteen already. Wow. Thank you. Take all the prayers you got. But that why question, and as I said, I think sometimes in our own lives, we ask the same thing about God. Maybe we don't ask it, but it's there in the background. Why would God redeem me? We'll come to that in a few moments. A second one is a big one, identity. Who am I? Who am I? For my children, the struggle of color, being Ethiopian, but also having Canadian parents who are Canadian, but now are U.S. citizens living in America, and then they're also black. Need I say more in the culture that we live in, right? It's complicated. They don't fully come out and say who, who they don't fully come out and say I have an identity problem, but it comes out in different ways, in different things they ask, in different things that they want to do. You know it's over the whole discussion. You know it's in the family unit. It's a big deal. But interestingly enough, I think in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we struggle with the same things. Who am I? We try to prove ourselves. We try to work our way in. We struggle with those identity issues in our relationship with Jesus. It's interesting. It's a part of adoption. It's a part of the process. I know I struggle with my identity. It's not my title. No. I remember when I became the vice president at Houghton, um, somebody said, how do you like the title? I said, it wore off in three hours. <laughs> I'm Eric, a follower of Jesus Christ. What about you? What's your identity in? 
I know when I get into trouble is when I put my identity in other things. Expectations, whatever it is. I'm becoming more and more convinced I need to put my identity in Jesus Christ. And that's what we try to do for our children. We don't, we don't try to get over things. We try to talk about it. Um, we want them to embrace their heritage of being Ethiopian. Um, we know one day we will take them back to Ethiopia, and they will, if their birth parents are alive, they'll get to meet their birth parents and relatives and so on and so on. And if they choose to go back to Ethiopia and work, go to school, we're all for it. We get it that we are, at this moment, the people who have the gift and the opportunity to be with them, to guide them through this time. But ultimately, they're God's. They're not ours. The third thing that I think about issues of struggle is sticking out, being different. Personally, my family does not fit in. I'm white. My wife is First Nations or Native American. In Canada, we're taught First, First Nations. And then we have three black children. When we walk into a restaurant, it's interesting to watch people. <laughs> it's really interesting. Really interesting. It's interesting when I pick up Adabay or I pick up Jacob or I pick up Jerusalem at events. I know what people are thinking. Is this their mentor or their big brother or, you know, if my wife picks up big sister? No, I'm their dad. And usually if you've met me and I haven't met you before, before I say my title, before I say anything, I always say, this is my daughter, this is my son, this is my daughter. Because I want to take the awkwardness away from the moment so they can be free and embrace that they're my child. And the other people don't have to feel awkward wondering, who is this person standing beside them? We acknowledge that we don't fit in. I'm not asking for people to feel sorry for, for us today. We've embraced it in the sense of we talk about it. And we take the elephant in the room and make sure that we've acknowledged it. But it's a part of the journey. It's a part of where we are. And other people struggle with the same thing about fitting in in society. But I think it's true for us in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Sometimes we know if we take a stand for Jesus that we're going to stick out. And it gets complicated. And guess what? You read the scriptures? We're aliens, right? We're not of this world. Not anymore. Jesus Christ died for us. We are different. And if we're different, we're going to stick out. But man, we struggle with it. Because don't we love to be the same, to sit and be a part of and not be noticed? One of the most difficult things in my journey in the adoption of my children was, was with my oldest when she was five. And if I get emotional, I get emotional, and that's okay. Um, I picked her up one day from pre-K, and um, when I got in the car, um, I looked back, and she was rubbing her skin really, really hard. And I said, what are you doing? And she goes, I want to be like you, Daddy. And I go, what do you mean? I want to be white. And I got back in the back of the car. I unbuckled her, and I picked her up, and I started rubbing my hand. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, I want to be black. I want to be like you. She just wanted to fit in. She didn't want kids to notice that her dad was white. She wanted to be the same. We just cried because that's all I knew to do. 
And I told her I loved her and that no matter what, I was with her. But that was difficult. And that's a part of being in this moment of adoption. And I think sometimes in our lives, we do similar things with God. And I wonder today if we're struggling with identity. And I wonder if we're struggling with sticking out. And I want to encourage you today that God will meet us in those moments. I want to transition to to journeys of hope and words of encouragement because that's the issues of struggle. So, Eric, where's the words of encouragement? The words of encouragement are this, love. God came to redeem us. God loves us extravagantly. I cannot explain it. I have some pictures I want to put up. They're from the first first time that I got to meet our children. This was out of Bay eight years ago when I met her at the orphanage in, in Ethiopia. She was 23 inches. That's, yeah, stay right there for a second. She was 23 inches and 23 pounds. Super small, three and a half. I can't explain it, but when I picked her up, I didn't see color. I was saying, I saw my daughter. I can't explain it. I can't explain the love that I felt. I can't explain the feeling that I have at that moment. You can move to the next one. This is Jerusalem, the first time that I met her in the orphanage in Ethiopia. Same thing. The same thing. And then the next one is, is Jacob as an infant um, at the orphanage. When I picked them up, I didn't care that they were not my biological children. At that moment, people talk about adoption, at that moment, they became my children. And I thought, Adebay is my daughter, Jerusalem is my daughter, Jacob is my son. And I think about God in us. And in some ways, in the same place, God does the same thing with us. Whatever we might have been in the past, whatever, whatever, God's love just in that moment. And you can tell I'm struggling with it because I can't explain it. I just hope that maybe you can feel it in those pictures to help you understand in some small way what God may feel about you in the same way, in the way that God feels with me. Because I often, I grew up in the church and I struggle with God's love. What is God's love? I don't. It was really tough to understand it. But when I picked up Adebe and Jerusalem and Jacob, I started to understand just a small part that God just saw me. I just saw Adebe, that's my child. And I started to understand just a little bit. The second part of words of encouragement is that we are children of God. Our identity, do you realize that you're a child of God? Do you realize that you're a child of God? All persons can have access to God, no matter their color, no matter their place in society, they can have access. My children are now Currys. They have full access, might be a little bit, not that much, but they have full access to everything that I have, whatever that is and whatever that means. Hopefully it's a good thing, but they have full access. 
often we'll have, this is probably a typical teenager conversations or pre-teenage conversations. We'll have conversations where sometimes Adebay will want to call me by my first name. She'll jokingly call me Eric. Or she'll ask me a question that I once asked my dad and I respond to her with, my, with the response that my dad gave me. Is I wanted to call him one time, old man, bad thing to do. And my dad said, that's fine, you can do that, but you know what? You don't really have access to the fridge anymore because I don't let friends or people who call me that have access to that and other things. And I said, Adebay, that's fine, you can call me Eric. But my friends don't get to stay in the house all the time. Now, I wouldn't kick her out. I'm joking with her. She gets the point, though. I'm your dad. You have full access, okay? Because she's a child of the Currys. What about us with God? Do we try and cheapen our relationship with God or try to do auxiliary things, different things? Have you recognized and lived into that you're a child of the king? You're the child of God. And then the third thing is we're heirs. We are heirs to all that God offers. Everything that God has is at our disposal. That's what adoption means. For my children, when I pass away, even if I have nothing, they get that. If I have something, they get that. They are heirs. They have full authority in that area. Do you realize today that no matter the person, no matter their ethnicity, no matter their language, no matter their color, God wants them a part of God's family. And we have a responsibility to stand in the gap for them. Some of us have been given more, and we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can do to reach in and reach or reach into those communities to be a part and to recognize that. When I think about the message of adoption today, it's powerful. Firstly, we've been adopted, but also we have the opportunity to bring others into that adopted family. And my prayer for you today is that you will live into that. And I hope a little bit of my story will encourage you. I have a wonderful family. It's not perfect at all. We have all kinds of interesting things going on, as you can imagine, with an 11 and 8 and 7-year-old. You see those smiles? I could have put up pictures of crying children, too. All right? And there they are. Um, they have, there they are now. They have full access. That was taken in, in December when they became U.S. citizens. Um, as I said, Adebay on the left, or on your, yeah, on the left, She's 11, Jerusalem is 8, and Jacob is 7. Um, Charlene and I love them dearly, and we'd do anything for them, just like God would do anything for you today. So whatever you're facing today, remember today that you're loved, you're a child of God, and you're heirs to what God has.